Well, good morning to you, and uh, I should say, I don't even know if it's good morning. I don't know where you are, like wherever you're watching the world, may not be morning, maybe it's already afternoon, maybe you're ahead of the rest of us. Uh, wherever you are, welcome, and uh, so glad that you are continuing our journey through the Bible, and as we continue through the book of Colossians, we are, we've reached the last chapter of the book of Colossians, which is chapter 4. And uh, before we dive into that, uh, again, let me just remind you, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards, my Facebook page, Anthony P. Richards, my Instagram page, AP Richards. Subscribe, like, share these videos. Let's get them out. Let's help as many people as possible. Now, uh, Colossians chapter four, I'm going to break up into two parts, uh, natural um, parts of this. Um, it's, we're going to look at today uh, verses 1 through 6, and, uh, and then the next video we'll look at verses 7 through 18. The, the actual letter of the, the doctrinal and practical application content of uh, Colossians 4 actually ends at verse 6 of chapter 4. And then Paul does what he always does, uh, very often does at the end of his letters, is he, he has brings greetings and receives uh, greetings and um, calls out people by name. There's so much in the, the conclusion to Colossians that uh, really we can't just skip over it uh, because there is so much to be drawn out of it. But first of all, what we need to do is finish with the conclusion, if you like, to the letter, the practical application of the letter to the church in Colossae. And if you've missed the previous uh, uh, chapters, uh, please go through, watch those, and it'll really help you understand where we're at. So let's get to into it. Colossians 4, verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, we, we finished looking at this verse. This verse is actually the conclusion of uh, chapter three, which we looked at at the, the video at the end of chapter three. So if you look at that, you'll see what context that is. You'll see if uh, in your Bible, you see verse two actually has a bold verse next to it, which means this is the start of a new section. So uh, let's start chapter two, verse two here. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly. Prayer supported the Paul, sorry, supported the Colossian church through his prayers for them. Their life and ministry uh, would continue to prosper through continued vigilance in prayer, including prayer on their part. Now, the ancient Greek word translated continue is built on a root meaning to be strong. Uh, and it always means uh, earnest adherence. Curtis Vaughan said this, uh, it, it denotes earnest adherence to a person or a thing. And in this passage, it implies persistence and favor. We need to pray with persistence and favor. You, you, too many people give up on their prayers. They're like, well, I prayed once and uh, nothing, you know. No, uh, this sort of earnest prayer is important, but it doesn't come easily to us. Spurgeon said this, heaven's gate is not to be stormed by one weapon, but by many. Spare narrow arrows, Christian. Watch and see that none of the arms in thy armory are rusty. Besiege the throne of God with a hundred hands and look at the promise with a hundred eyes. You have a great work on hand for you. Have to move the arm that moves the world. Watch then for every means of moving that arm. See to it that you ply every promise 
that you use every argument and that you wrestle with all might. See, being vigilant is something that you have to do with thanksgiving. This is what Paul was trying to teach them here. You, you have to always pray with thanksgiving. William Barclay talked about the, the, the concept of being vigilant here. Literally, the Greek means to be wakeful. The phrase could well mean that Paul is telling them not to go to sleep when they pray. Sometimes, because of the tiredness of our body or mind, we struggle against sleep when we pray. Other times, we pray as if we were asleep in the first place, and our prayers simply sound and feel tired and sleepy. That, that, that's a lot of Christians. Um, prayer, uh, you know, Spurgeon said this, and again, lots of Spurgeon quotes uh, in this today. Spurgeon said, prayer should be mingled with praise. Uh, I have heard that in New England, after the Puritans had settled there a long while, they used to have very often a daily of humiliation, fasting and prayer, till they had so many days of fasting, humiliation and prayer, that at last a good senator proposed that they should change it for once and have a day of simple thanksgiving. Um, the, the connection here with thanksgiving uh, suggests a threefold rhythm that N.T. Wright pulls out. Uh, intercession then watching for prayers to be answered, and then thanksgiving when the prayers are actually answered. So, move on to verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Paul seemed to say, uh, as long as we're on the subject of prayer, how about you pray for us? Uh, but Paul didn't ask for his own personal needs, which were many. I mean, the guy's in chains as he's writing this. But he's praying that God would open the door for us to share the word of God. And the same word picture uh, of an open door um, is, is used as an open opportunity for the gospel. Now, and you can see this, this is highlighted in Acts chapter 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Same word picture. Verse 4, that I make, make it manifest as I ought to speak. Make it happen. Even though Paul was in chains he, for his faithfulness to the gospel, he knew that he ought to speak it in a way that would make it clearly evident. That's what manifest means. Pr Paul wanted prayer that he could continue to make the gospel clear, evident, even if it meant that he should be in chains for longer. Verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Uh, this is a very interesting concept. Um, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. The Christian life isn't only lived in the prayer closet, <laughs> uh, which I think is where a lot of Christians live it. There has to be a practical, lived-out Christianity in your life and mine, which, which lives wisely toward those who are outside. See, how we speak has a lot to do with this. So we have to let our speech be always with grace. Um, if you don't do this, then you can't redeem the time. You can't buy it back. Uh, you can't make it look for the purposes of God. And things that aren't used for the purposes of God will be used for the enemy's purposes or our flesh purposes. Neither one of which is for God. Verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The word grace has, in Greek as in English, a, a possible double meaning. 
and it can mean um, God's grace, but it can also mean human grace. What our grace? How do we show? How do we give good gifts to people who don't deserve them? Um, and A.T. Robertson said this, In classical writers, Salt expressed the wit with which conversation was flavoured. Grace and salt, meaning wit and sense, make an ideal combination. Um, that you may know, this is important, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Paul believed that Christians would answer, answer others from biblical truth and that they would work at knowing how to communicate those answers to those who are outside. See, if you don't study the Word of God and you don't rightly divide the Word of God, which you are doing because you're watching this video, I know that that is your heart and goal. But if you stop doing that or if people don't do it, then you lose a very important fact. You lose sight of it. And that is when somebody asks you a question, God wants you to have an answer, even when you don't have the answer. I hope you grabbed a hold of that. God always desires that you have an answer laced with grace, even if you don't know the specific answer to the question that has been asked. This is very important because uh, Colossians 4 verse 2 to 6 David Guzik said this, shows that God is concerned both about our personal prayer life and our interaction with others in the world. He cares both about the prayer closet and the public street, and he wants us to care about both also. Uh, this is an important idea to connect with the earlier passages of Colossians. Paul spent considerable time in this letter explaining the truth and refuting bad doctrine. Yet all the correct knowledge was of little good unless it was actually applied privately and publicly in the prayer closet, public street, daily life. And we could say that this is what Paul uses to conclude the practical application of this wonderful letter to the church in Colossae. This really is the end of his doctrinal and practical section. Um, and Paul, in the next part of Colossians 4, needs to explain the importance of people. People have always and will always be important. How amazing that Paul finishes the teaching section of, of the book of uh, the letter to the church in Colossae, talking about how to pray for themselves and how to pray for other people. The, the Word of God, if I, if I start to move into, and I, I do know today is, is a, bit of a, a short, and I don't often do short videos, but I, I just feel that there's an opportunity for us maybe to talk a little bit more at the end of this today about what we observe. Because as I, as I talk about what I observe, I can't just talk about what I observe from, from these uh, you know, six verses. I have to talk about what I observe from the entire doctrinal and practical application of the letter that he wrote to Colossae. See, remember, Paul had never been there 
didn't know the people. And yet he had an authority as an apostle in God to be able to convey to them, listen, you can only be saved through faith, by grace, in Jesus Christ. And after you have accepted that free gift of salvation, make sure that you don't ever think that you need to keep re-earning your salvation. No, you now need to work towards the calling that you have on you once you have accepted the gift of salvation. And I want to challenge many of you today. Many of you today, you may be watching this and you accepted the free gift of salvation a long time ago, but you're still waiting to walk in your calling. And look, it's great that you want to understand the Bible, but the last thing I want to encourage you to do is just to get to know the Word of God more. I want you to get to know the Word of God more so that you can walk in your calling. I want you to get to know the Word of God more so that you know how to more accurately pray in the will of God. Pray the prayers that God wants you to pray. I want you to be able to be equipped to pray the right kind of prayers in your devotional prayers for yourself as you are in praying for other people. I want you to grow in that. Uh, This whole book, this whole letter is about understanding the grace the infinite grace of Jesus Christ. It's also about understanding that everything that Jesus did was complete and we are complete in his completeness. And God wants to complete the calling that he has on your life. God doesn't just want to press play on your life. God wants you to be able to get to the end of, of your life and like the Apostle Paul say, I have, I've finished the race. I've done everything. Now, if a man like Paul can start off his life so horribly and yet still get to the end of his life and say, I've done everything that God wanted me to do, then that means that you can too. You and I, regardless of whatever has happened in our lives up until the the, the point that you're watching this video, you can still achieve the eternal purposes of God and get to the point where you can say, I have finished the race. I have, I've, I have run the way God wanted me to run. But to do that, you need to apply the principles of the Word of God. And you need to let them soak in. You need to understand the doctrine. You need to understand the practical application. But then you need to run your race. And I want to encourage you. Many of you have not, you, you haven't run yet. Uh, some of you have taken a little bit of a jog. Just a little bit, you know. Maybe some of you are just fast walkers. But there's a race to be run and you've got to pace yourself uh, because it is a marathon. And, uh, but it's a marathon made up of sprints and rests and sprints and rests and sprints and rests and, and times of, of uh, growing. But we never stop running that race until we've finished all that God has asked us to do. So there you go. Uh, I hope that you can grab a hold of that observation because... Um, there is, there's a lot in this for us. Um, I, I can't achieve anything in life um, without prayer linked to the Son of God. I just can't. There, there, there's just no way that I can achieve 
anything. Uh, my prayer must be in light of what I'm learning in this wonderful book. So a little bit of a different pace for us today. I hope that's okay. And uh, I just want to pray over you. I want to pray for you. And uh, tomorrow, I'm, you know, or in the next video, I'm very much looking forward uh, to seeing uh, how, what we can learn from Paul and how he finishes this wonderful letter because there are gold nuggets after gold nuggets after gold nuggets in the last few verses of the book of Col Colossians. So, but that's for another day. Uh, right now, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person watching this video right now. Bless them, encourage them, inspire them, God. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge them to walk according to the calling that you've put in their life. I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't see their life as being something that, is, that uh, hasn't hit the mark, but God, that they would just understand that they are complete in you and the all-sufficiency, Jesus, of what you did on the cross, what you did in your resurrection is enough for us to be able to walk complete in you. So God, challenge us so that we can live in our calling for you all day, every day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.